Anytime you have a preacher behind a microphone, it's tough to ever expect that it won't be anything but long-winded, but I'm going to give it my best effort this morning. Please take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Colossians, chapter 2, we'll study verses 6 through 10 briefly. Verses 6 through 10, Colossians chapter 2, a charge is a challenge. It's a moral pressure that a person will do a thing. And so that's what we will do in this charge. Brothers, I'm entirely overwhelmed with thankfulness to the Lord that you're here this morning and you're not just sitting with your wives in the congregation as one of the members, but as ordained officers in the Presbyterian Church in America. I'm thankful because you're my friends. I'm thankful for your encouragement, but I'm specifically thankful that now I have brothers for the oversight of my soul and the soul of my wife and of my sons. And as I'm aware, as we've spoken before, I think you likely also would say that you are overwhelmed yourselves. Even going back to your nomination, whenever we spoke together, and I spoke with many of the other men in the room, um, you told me that it was overwhelming to you. And you said that it was on the grounds that, yes, you did feel a sense of call, the call of Christ on your life to serve as an officer in the church. However, you were overwhelmed because you did not feel adequate to the task that you were convinced you were called to. And so this morning I want to point you to the reality of what the word says about that, that Jesus Christ is sufficient. You may also remember how I responded to you either on the phone or in person or even since then as we've said this again and again sometimes, you would say to me, I don't know if I'm equal to this. And I looked at you and I said, you're right, you're not Not by yourself, you're not equal to this, but Jesus Christ is sufficient. You may also remember that I told you that Jesus doesn't call those who are equipped, but he equips those whom he has called. And so as the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Colossae, he writes a general charge to Christians. This isn't even specifically regarding the holding of office. And so I invite the rest of the church to hear and to apply this wonderful truth to yourselves of the sufficiency of Jesus Christ for his people. Hear the word of God read to you. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted And now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ." For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you 
have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. This is the word of the Lord. May he give us understanding as we study it. In verse 6, Paul writes to Christians, You have received Christ. That is his presupposition or his beginning principle to them. That they're in Jesus because they have received him by faith. And his charge is very simple. And this morning my charge to you brothers is likewise simple. So walk in him. And the reason why this is so important and I think also wonderfully simple is that the world is complicated. And the things that are going to come to you not just as Christian men, but as elders and as deacons in the church, are going to be messy. They're going to be filled with things that you simply say in yourself, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to decide. I don't know how to be helpful. And you'll call me, you'll call one another, you'll speak to your spouses, and you'll simply say, this is overwhelming. I don't know how to do the right thing. I'm unsure how to proceed but you're still called to walk in him that's the first thing that he wants to say walk in him but in verse 7 he follows up and he answers the how the how firstly he says that you have been rooted in Christ secured to him by faith connected and united to him by his grace Purchased by his blood. Redeemed by his mercy. And so brothers, I want to tell you that if you will walk in Christ and lead this church, you will not do it apart from your union with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're anybody's man, you will be his because you should be desperate for him and for the grace that he will give you. But do you notice that it's not that you rooted yourselves, but passively You have been rooted in him. It's his work. It's his work. And so if you'll walk in him, if you'll lead the people of God through the valley of the shadow of death as an under-shepherd of Jesus Christ, it will be because he is sustaining you simply as a Christian man united with him. The second thing he says in verse 7 of the how is that you are now being built up in him. How are you going to walk in faith? Well, it's that you are through the word of God and the mercy of the spirit going to labor, labor to continue to grow. Yes, you're mature. Yes, we believe that you are Christians not only in word but also indeed with evidences of spiritual maturity. But if you're not still being built up in him, this is going to be well too much for you ever to expect to be able to do faithfully. So I encourage you and I call you to walk in him and to endeavor to be built up in Christ and also to know that if you are built up in him, it is the work of Jesus in you. Again, this is a passive work, at least in part. 
His grace poured out upon you through the preaching of his word, through the study of his word, through days and hours spent in prayer and in faithful service. You're not the man you once were. You are not the man one day you will be. But we thank the Lord that right now you are the men that the Lord is at work in. He goes on and the apostle gives the third how. He says that you are being established in your faith. You are being established in your faith. What does that mean? Well, it's well related to being built up. But it is this expectation that you are going to be not only a growing Christian in maturity, but a growing Christian in service and in consistent profession. So brothers, I want to encourage you to be men who study the word and to be men who work out your faith with fear and trembling, always fighting against doubts. Because I'll tell you the truth, if you had doubts before, even as a Christian who experiences the hardship of life, that's not just going to go away. You're going to continue to have to wage the warfare of faith and to simply say to the temptations of the flesh and of Satan, no. And you're going to have to, if you are going to be a man of God and just, well, frankly, and simply a Christian, you're going to have to cling to the Lord Jesus Christ and strive and fight for a life with him and a life against the world and the temptation to sin and to apostasy. And you go on, we read this continued, and he says, just as you were instructed, there is substance to what Christ is doing in you. And it is the truth of the Christian religion. And so brothers, I want to say to you again, you are called to walk in him, but it's not by your own strength, but by his. You are called to walk in him, So that you can be an officer, a Christian brother, walking before this church. You're going to need to be a Christian who walks in Christ so that you can pick one of us up whenever we inevitably fall in our own walk. So brothers, walk in him. In verse 8, there is this second charge, and I believe it is to guard your heart and your minds. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. You see to it, brothers. You keep your hearts. You keep your minds. Free from the temptation to believe the lies of the world. Free from the philosophies and from the deceptions that are according to men. You see to it. That's not just training. That is the persistent warfare of mind and soul. And so brothers, I call, it to, call you to it one more time. But you may say, well, how is that to happen? Well, Paul wants to encourage us that our hearts and our minds be according to Christ. Where is Christ heard? In his word. And so, brothers, if you're going to do this, if you are going to see to it, 
You will be men of the word of God. You will study it. You will take it up morning and evening. And if you feel the weakness in your own teaching or your own preaching gifts, you will labor, labor to grow in them for your own sake as a man of God and as an officer in the church of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you another thing, brothers, that if you don't do this as an elder, you will, or as a deacon, you will inevitably face things that press your hearts in ten different ways to do this or to do that and to be misled yourself and to possibly mislead others. Where does it land, all of these different theological turns, all of these different ethical, moral turns, all of these different controversies that you hear in the church? Is it always or usually within the pews? Sometimes it is. But it always lands on your shoulders. It always lands on your shoulders to end up having to decide with wisdom the truth of God according to the word. According to the word, not just your opinion or not just the feeling of other people and not just the culture of the nation or whatever the spirit of the age may well be. You are called to see to it that no one takes you captive but that your men captive by the teaching and the person of Jesus Christ. Guard your hearts, brothers. Guard your hearts. In verses 9 and 10, there's the third part. We read about the sufficiency of Jesus. Verse 9. For in him the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. This is singular truth. None of us have within ourselves the fullness of deity dwelling bodily. None of us are God and man in two natures, yet one person. Only he is. Only he is. This wonderful truth of the sufficiency of the man who can also be said to be the creator and sustainer of all things and all persons at all times. This wonderful principle of the sufficiency of Christ, the God-man, your Lord, your head, your authority, the one who sustains you and cares for you, your shepherd, both elder, both deacon, your Christ-man, your Christ-man, and you must be. Now, his sufficiency expressed just a little bit in verse 9 and my exposition of it is met in verse 10 with what you probably feel, what you've told me before, and what I've mentioned to all of us here this morning. And that is your sense of insufficiency, that you're not enough in yourselves. You're not. And Paul wants to tell you this, that it is in him that you have been made complete. That means exactly what it sounds like. That means exactly what it sounds like. You're not enough, but in him, he'll give you the strength to do what you need to do. He'll give you the strength to grow as a Christian, to stand firm. He'll give you the wisdom whenever you don't feel wise. He'll give you courage to speak when you want to be a coward. He's going to give you strength and attention to go and to be with people when you just don't feel like you have any left in you. He will make you complete for the work that he's calling you to. This is, again, not just a call only to officers, but to Christians. This is a charge 
of Christian truth to all. And so, brothers, if it is true for you, it is on the basis of your faith, not rather the basis of your ordination. We didn't make you anything special or pour anything unique into you. Christ and your walk with him alone and his sufficiency is all that is necessary and nothing else is itself sufficient. And so, friends, I want to remind you, brothers, elders, and deacons from John 21, and call you and charge you to do the work of a minister, whether a deacon or an elder. That you are not up to this, Christ is. I want to call you to look to him and cling to him so that you can keep what he charged Peter to do. He says to Peter, if you love me, if you love me, you will feed my lambs. If you love me, you will tend my sheep. If you love me, you will feed my sheep. If you're going to serve any of us, you won't do it because you love us. You have to do it because you love him. Because we will be very unlovely to you. I charge you to this, brothers, before the Lord Jesus Christ. Execute the office in love and in faith in the sufficient Lord of heaven, your God, Jesus Christ. Church, I charge you, take your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Very simple, you've probably heard it before. This is God's word. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. The word of the Lord read to us. Obey and submit. Those are strict and heavy words, aren't they? Of course they are. And the reason why they are is because you know, like I know, that these five men and this man in the pulpit are sinners. And we make mistakes. We say foolish things. We don't act appropriately. We're not always everywhere we're supposed to be. We lack omnisciency in the knowledge of all things. We fail. And it is hard to be called to obey and to submit to an imperfect man. I'll simply say, each of us have even failed to obey and submit to the perfect man, the Lord Jesus Christ. But we are far less than him. How in the world can you obey and submit to your leaders who are leaders like us? Imperfect and failing. You'll only do so if you believe in the sovereign hand of God. That Jesus isn't separate to this. That he's involved in this and he has a call on their lives. That if he's called you to follow them and to submit to them, he's going to help them. And he's going to help you. It's faith in Jesus that lets you, church, submit to them and to submit to me as a leader. Nothing short of faith in Jesus is going to do. Because if you have faith in us, we are going to let you down. But if you turn to us and reject us 
and you reject any sort of obedience or submission to the office of elder and of deacon, you reject what? The call of Christ and the work that he's doing in this church and for you as a Christian. And so friends, I call you to simply, with the word of God, and charge you, congregation, obey your leaders and submit to them. See what Paul says, or excuse me, the writer of the book of Hebrews, could have been Paul, we don't know. He says, as a rationale of why you ought, he says, they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Do you understand this? These men answer to God for your soul. Now you ask the question, how far is that? Does that just mean my attendance in church? No, friends, it's more than that. Uh, Does it just mean... Um, your service or your volunteer uh, involvement in the body of Christ or this or that or the other, how how far does this extend? Well, I want to submit to you that it means this. They are responsible for the spiritual successes and failures of each and every one of you. Whenever they bow before the Lord their God on the day of judgment, the Lord is not going to judge them only according to the things that they performed in their own life, but according to you. These men are going to take your spiritual life very seriously as they should because they will give a word of why or how or even a repentance on the behalf of what you do or don't do. And so, friends, I want you to take it very seriously. You don't have a casual relationship to them. They represent you before the throne of grace. And that is significant and it is serious And it ought to cause you to tremble just a little bit. And brothers, you five, it certainly should cause you to tremble. But see this other charge. He says, let them do this with joy and not by grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Do you encourage the ministers that you know, the elders that you know? Do you joyfully receive them do you even see them whenever they've not done as well as they could do and you lift them up in loving submission to them and say brother we'll do it better next and we love you so much and we love you and want you in our lives do you invite to your home or is your general concern of heart to be critical that minister is a fool as he may very well and probably actually is Those elders are failing. They're not what they could be. They're not who they should be. Those guys ought to all know better and be better, and they're just frankly not. The charge is to let them labor among you joyfully and not with grief. Be an encouragement. Be receptive. Be loving. And friends, you frankly ought to expect to be responded to in that same sort and in kind. In love, in joy, compassion, and not grief. With an elder or a deacon sitting on your couch or being involved in your life saying, brother or sister, we have a terrible thing we have to deal with. Let them do this with joy, not with grief. For it is not profitable for you. If you're a difficult and hard church member, unsubmissive and insubordinate, and critical to everything and all things that happen. That's not just your pastor. That's just a basic reading and a very brief explanation and a charge from the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 17, of the word of the Lord your God. I charge you to this church. I charge you to it. 
honor the Lord and keep this charge unto his grace and to his glory. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these officers. Oh Lord, we pray that you would bless the remainder of the service, that you would bless our time of fellowship, that Lord, you would bless our church to grow in love and compassion and knowledge, oh Father, that we might glorify you. We pray all of this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.